statewide Vancouver pregame, postgame, every game presented by Bodog from Sports Odds to Free Casino Games. Make a play at Bodog.net. Wadden and J-Pat here with you once again with another edition of the postgame show. But I don't know if we've ever done one of these postgame shows, J-Pat. Have we ever recapped a Canucks shutout? 3 nothing. The Canucks over the Blackhawks. Well, didn't they, we? Of course we did. We started last year when Travis Green was still I thought coach. it extended through No, that. it was Bruce Boudreaux's debut. Bruce uh, Boudreaux's first coaching game okay. against the Los Angeles Kings, December the 6th of 2021. Yeah, so you know me in math, yeah. Shy of Christmas. So, yes, we have done this, but not very often and not since that night. So, 72 games for Thatcher Demko. That's how long it had been. Uh, for him, and uh, yeah, we'll see if uh, we have to go another 72 games before the Canucks post another shutout, or uh, if uh, maybe, you know, it was funny because Jacob Markstrom had to wait forever, it seemed, for his first as a Vancouver Canuck, and then it's not like they became on the regular. Like he had nine last year in Calgary, uh, but he got the first one, and then a few others followed quickly thereafter. So this isn't the first for Demko, it's his third career shutout, but yeah, they've uh, been a rarity uh, in these parts, and uh Maybe not a surprise that it comes against the lowest scoring team in the National Hockey League. But you know what? Uh, He had to make some saves. Like, this wasn't a... I know it's the Blackhawks, and they've got nothing to play for, and they're probably happy that they got shut out, and they don't pick up any points in the standings. But they did mount 33 shots on goal, and they had some quality scoring chances. So, uh, you know, I don't want to dismiss any shutout at the National Hockey League level, but I think uh, Thatcher Demko was forced to earn this one. Like, he had to make some stops. Yeah, I remember the shutout now. Okay, good. But again, I was just looking at that number going, holy, is this expand? Like, how long has it been? But anyway, it snapped now, so that's good yep. to know. And we will hear from Thatcher Demko a little bit later on, who didn't really want to expand on it very much, to be honest with you. I think it's something to celebrate myself, but maybe the dubious mark around it is something he doesn't really want to reflect on. Nonetheless, the Canucks get the shutout in a 3 nothing victory. They sweep the season series over the Blackhawks and little low event game, so to speak. Yeah. Um, but you're right, though. Like The goaltending, I think, on both sides is really good. Uh, Demko with an incredible save in the first period on that power play by the Blackhawks. Uh, Kachuk just robbed by Demko. But then the two pad stack, Alex <laughs> Stalock in the second period on Anthony Beauvillier. And, you know, I mean, I'm in my 40s. And so I know all about two pad stacks when it comes to goaltending. I was taught it as a kid. It's a rarity, like a Canucks shutout right now. But that was a beautiful save by Stalock. I thought both goaltenders were, were good tonight in a game that didn't really have a whole lot to it, though. No, and I'm glad you brought up Staylock because at some point I wanted to. I didn't know that he'd come up this early in the pod, but uh, you painted a nice picture there off Beauvillier. Uh, I mean, he absolutely throws himself to the left side there, and uh, that was a quality scoring chance on the Canuck power play. As you mentioned, Kachuk on the Hawks power play in the first period. Lucas Reichel, and we remarked when the Canucks were in Chicago not that long ago, like, this guy's got speed for days, and he just motored right up the gut between Quinn Hughes and Ethan Bear late in the second period. It's 2 nothing at that point. He scores there, and it's game on. And uh, then he had a one-timer in the third period right off a face-off play, a bang-bang play, but he got a really good look. And Thatcher Demko, when Demko's on his game, like, there's such an economy of motion. He just makes it look easy, and he's not the only guy that does that. But, you know, it just... There's not a lot of energy expended. He just gets across into position. He's big already, and he takes away the net, and he did that on that Reichel one-timer. Uh, Jujar Kara had a pretty good chance on the doorstep, and uh, Demko had to be fast to make the save there. And then late in the game, and again, the Hawks, you know, these guys are pros. Like They don't want to get 
stuffed. So they're still trying to score late in the game. And Ian Mitchell kind of walked off the sideboards into the slot and had a fair bit of time and got a lot on a shot. And, and again, Thatcher Nemco there to make the save. So, you know, to me, there were more than you know two or three. I think there was probably maybe need both hands to count the you know, the quality chances, but that Kachuk one in the first period, I think, was his yeah. best. And, you know, the game's very much uh, on the line then. Canucks get out of the first period up one nothing. In fact, they score once in each period. Miller sealing the deal into the empty net uh, in the final minute of play. But, uh, yeah, I mean, look, yes, the Canucks go three for three against the Blackhawks, but certainly the game in Chicago, they had to work for it. Uh, the game here uh, tonight, yes, it's a 3 nothing final, but uh, I don't think this was easy. I mean, nothing comes easy to the Vancouver Canucks. So um, the of the three victories, Tockett's coaching debut uh, was probably the most pronounced when they won 5-2, to two, and the Hawks just didn't have a whole lot going that night. So, you know, for the Canucks, it's funny because I, I don't think Rick Tockett was thrilled with the overall performance. He was really happy with the play of Thatcher Demko, yeah. but giving up 33 shots to the Blackhawks, and especially coming off the performances against... You know, teams that are going to the playoffs, and that's now official with the Seattle Kraken beating Arizona and punching their ticket uh, tonight. And then before that, it was the Los Angeles Kings. You know, those were motivated teams. The Blackhawks aren't, and they don't have much. They are the lowest scoring team. Uh, their leading scorer, Taylor Radish, has now gone 11 games without a goal. So that's never great when your leading goal scorer goes uh, into double digits without scoring. And yet, you know, they they, they competed. They did. And Tockett was quick to give Chicago praise but I kind of tried reading between the lines. I just got a sense that he recognized that the bar is pretty low when you're playing the Blackhawks, and I'm not sure that the coach was thrilled with the 60-minute performance from his hockey club. Well, he got a little help from the other side because I think the most dangerous player on the ice for the Canucks was Seth Jones in this game, actually. Uh, he, t- he deflects in the Kraftsoff uh, power play goal. Kraftsoff's first as a Canuck. We'll get to that uh, in just a moment. Uh, he also tipped a, uh, that shot from Hiroshi, also a power play chance in the third period. That was a Seth Jones tip. And if it had went in, that would have been two own goals by him on the night. So uh, Seth Jones doing his part to help the Canucks. But Akito Hiroshi did his part as well. First career NHL points, plays over 20 minutes. We've loved the poise so far. The head coach loves it. I mean, there's a lot to like about this player, J-Pat. There is. Uh, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself because yeah. we have seen other guys come in yeah. late in the season, but there does feel like there's something here with this guy. And so uh, full credit to him. You know, I, I think one of the real tells for me that the coaching staff is digging what uh, he's providing is that his ice time has increased each game out here. So 14:01 in his first game, his NHL debut against Los Angeles, 15:27 the other night against the Seattle Kraken up to 20 minutes and 30 seconds of ice time in just his third game in the National Hockey League. And as you said, uh, picks up a couple of points. Uh, but after the game, he talked about the fact that, uh, you know, those first two games, yeah, they're great. You're in the NHL. It's a learning environment and everything else. You're soaking it all in. But, you know, the Canucks got skunked in both those games. He hadn't tasted NHL victory. And so uh, this was his first win. And for him to be able to contribute and play and play as much as he, he did. And you're right. Poise is a great way to describe him. That was my first look at him. Uh, I didn't get uh, a chance to go to those other games here on the homestand. Well, I went to the Calgary game, but I didn't go to the, the, the two most recent losses where he played. So I had watched him on TV, but again, when you're there in the rink and you're observing from up high, you can just take it all in. You can see his play away from the puck. You can see what he does what, with the puck. And it, it just, you can see when guys are sort of thinking the game already at the NHL level. And I think it's pretty evident that uh, that's something that he does and it's served him well already. And he's just getting his feet wet. So, yeah, really impressive stuff. 
you know, he just he he, he seems like a pretty cerebral guy. Again, it's important to remember that uh, you know he's older than your standard prospect because he's coming out of college. In fact, I think it's his birthday here this weekend, uh, and he'll be twenty four. So. You know, we've said this before about other guys that the runway is short because they don't have two or three years to develop. Uh, by that point, they're going to be 26, 27 years of age. So, um, you know, what we've seen from Makito Hirose so far, pretty good. And the fact that Jack Rathbone was up on an emergency recall and he got sent down because the Canucks had six healthy defenders, you know, it just seems to me they're running with the bare bones operation on the back end. If you're one of the six healthy guys, you're Pretty good chance you're going to stick around and play these final four games. So, uh, you know, I think we'll get a chance to see more of Akito Hirose here uh, with what's left of the schedule. Yeah, birthday on Sunday for Hirose. Uh, another guy making his NHL debut was Cole McWard. And, of course, uh, another NCAA signee that the Canucks have brought in. I mean, didn't didn't really stick out to me at all. Really had that one chance sort of uh, late in the game. 14.35, time on ice, one block shot. But, again, you know, didn't really notice him good or bad outside of maybe that one chance that sort of skipped on him. Yeah, I I tried to watch him pretty closely and I thought the first period was fairly unremarkable, but I mean that in a good way that a guy, you know, his first NHL game, you think maybe there'd be some nerves or jitters and I didn't really detect that and got a regular shift uh, six minutes and 14 seconds, I think in the first period, you know, when I look at his night as a whole, I would say fairly successful. The uh, underlying numbers are all right. Uh, you know, just a shade under 50% in terms of individual Corsi and the and the shot share, but wasn't on the ice for a goal either way. Yeah, had that chance in the third period with about two minutes to go, walks into the slot, little toe drag, got around his man, and then, uh, you know, I don't know if he was starstruck at that point or thinking, like, here it is, this is my chance. Uh, kind of fumbled the puck and it got away from him. He didn't, uh, uh, didn't really, you know, didn't get a shot on goal. You know, his first touch of the puck or one of his first touches of the puck came back to him at the point in the offensive zone. And I thought, man, if I'm in the NHL and the puck rolls back to me slowly, like I'm putting my head down and I'm just burying, I mean, you know, shooting as hard as I can. He saw Connor Garland down low at the side of the net and, you know, tried to make the pass and the play didn't really materialize there. Uh, but I kind of thought, uh, you never know if you're going to get another opportunity. I don't know what the future is. But again, they're so short-staffed right now and with four games to go. I would think that uh, there'll be more opportunities ahead uh, for Cole McCord. So, yeah, overall, you know, where Kito Hirose uh, was part of a couple of losses uh, before he got a win. Yeah, I mean, that's cool memory to be a part of, you know, not just a victory, but a, a team shutout. Somebody asked Cole McWard, you know, did you, were you aware of how long it's been <laughs> since the Canucks? I thought, like, this guy, like, he doesn't even know what city he's uh-huh. in or what time zone right now. I mean, this is a lot to protest. What team am I for. playing for? He's looking at the logo. Exactly. So, uh, no, he's not aware of, of recent uh, or not so recent as it was uh, Canuck history. But, uh, yeah, I would say a pretty good night for him all around. Uh, and now he's got a baseline. And, uh, yeah, it's not one of the better teams in the NHL if he plays on Saturday. Like, that's going to be a different animal. The Calgary Flames are still alive. Uh, that game is going to mean everything to the Flames, and I would think that you'll see a pretty hungry oh, yeah. better, although you never yeah. really know what you're going to get from the Calgary <laughs> Flames. True. But but I would anticipate that you're going to see a team playing for its playoff life, and uh, you know everything is just going to be amped up that much more than a Blackhawks team that you know, is just kind of wandering into the wilderness here with a handful of games remaining in their schedule. And speaking of plan for their life, Vitaly Kravtsov is playing for his NHL life, really, and he gets his first goal as a Canuck, as mentioned a minute ago. But, I mean, 
I thought outside of the goal, I thought that was one of Kraftsoft's better games. He looked like he was engaged, looked like somebody was in his ear to tell him, you know, get out there and, and you know, sort of, uh, you know, make yourself known out there. And he did that really. And then of course he got to the goal. He got to be, uh, good to be lucky sometimes. And he was. And uh, that play there uh, going off at the Seth Jones. I mean, something to build off of for Kraftsoft. But again, like, uh, these few games here, fans might think that there's not a whole lot left, but there is a lot left for him to play for. Yeah, and look, we have done this after every game, and we've most nights when he's been in uniform, we've said, "Well, there was that one rush in the second period," yeah. or you know, and and <laughs> yeah. but we follow that up quickly. Like, That's not enough. Like we can't yeah. keep doing this. Uh, if, for my money, my eyes easily his most invested game as a, a member of the Vancouver Canucks. That the goal is great, but as you said, I mean, he gets a bounce, and hey, got to put the puck in the right spot. Yep. But uh, and he was trying to make a down low play to show up and drive probably to the back door. Went and, in. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. But he got a bounce, and you know, in it goes. He was probably wondering his time was running out on the season. Am I going to get in the lineup? Am I going to score? Uh, so that monkey's off his back. But more than that, uh, I don't remember. Eight minutes into the hockey game, came down the left side and actually had a a, a good snapshot that Alex Daylock had to flash his left pad, made a nice save. Uh, fairly early in the hockey game. I think the thing that jumps out to me, because we just haven't seen this in Kravtsov's game, is the five hits, though. And, you know, not that he was steamrolling opponents, but he's in, he's involved. I use the word invested, that, you know, he's not spinning away from checks, that he was trying to separate guys from the puck. And that's what Rick Tockett obviously wants, even if he still, you know, thinks of himself as a skill guy. Um, you know, he's not playing in the top two lines for the Vancouver Canucks right now. And so if you're going to get in the coach's good books, you, you're you going to have to grind. You're going to, you know, even if it takes you out of your comfort zone, you got to grind a little bit. And and I thought that showed a willingness. And, you know, you wonder when you said uh, somebody in his ear, like I, I have to imagine the fact that he's been sitting out of late here, uh, that the coaches have, you know, tried to deliver a message uh, on top of sitting him down, like making him a healthy scratch is a message in and of itself. But you know, it sounds like Rick Tockett's got a pretty good line of communication with the players, and I would think that whether it's him or Sergey Gonchar, uh, whoever's talking to Kravtsov, I'm sure that they were trying to explain some of that, that, look, this is what we need to see from you, and it's an open competition because it's not really like other guys around him are doing a ton to move in front of him. Like, it, it, it kind of feels like, you know, it's been a bit of a turtle derby in that regard. Like, keep waiting for somebody to step up. And, yeah, Aiden McDonough scored a goal the other night, but we said that he had been a little quiet. He didn't play tonight. They take him out of the lineup. Kravtsov gets his opportunity. And I would say that, uh, for the most part, yeah, he did something with it. So uh, good on him. Four goals on the season. Three had been as a New York Ranger, so he gets his first as a member of the Canucks. And it was a big one because it extended the lead from one nothing to 2 nothing, And at one nothing, the Hawks are still very much in it. They're one shot away at 2 nothing for a team that just does not score many goals. Uh, you know, I don't know that the game was necessarily over at that point, but uh, gave the Canucks a little bit of uh, a cushion and some breathing room. Yeah, uh, Coach talked about post game though that he's got to build off it though. Right. So he's very much not out of the woods when it comes to Vitaly Kravtsov. And again, this was the knock that we knew he had on him coming into Vancouver, right? So whether he can follow that up. But again, very important these last few games. And if he can keep himself in the lineup, uh, I think that'll bode well uh, for him as he you know tries to uh, keep himself in the NHL. The Quinn Hughes scrap. That was kind of interesting. <laughs> Quinn Hughes uh, getting into a fight, well, Mark, sort of. No, let's not go that far because uh, certainly no fighting majors assessed. He got two minutes, so he got a double minor for roughing, and hmm. Andreas Athanasiu gets uh, the minor. Uh, they were chipping at, you know, kind of chopping at each other, and yeah, it escalated in a hurry. And then Quinn Hughes got him in the headlock and dragged him down. I joked on Twitter that that uh, must have been his response to Michigan. 
uh, losing yeah. at the Frozen Four. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I don't know what got into Quinn Hughes because certainly you know we don't see that side of him necessarily. He's competitive, but we don't see him lose his temper, temper and, and sort of go off like that. Uh, I have to give the in-ring people, I don't know if they showed it on TV, but it was a good bit. They just kept cutting on the Jumbotron between the two penalty boxes. And so they would show Hughes and then this big roar from the crowd. And then they would cut to Apple to see you with the Hawks and boo. (laughs) And then it just rapid back and forth. And the fans, like it wasn't a full building. There wasn't a great atmosphere, as you can imagine, with two teams that are uh, just about at the end of the line. And there hadn't been a ton to cheer about. So uh, it was a good bit. And the fans reacted. It was sort of the low-key moment of the night. Uh, but it was kind of a funny night for Quinn Hughes as well because so we learned this morning that you know he had battling strep, uh, so I can't imagine that he was a hundred percent. Rick Tockett talked about how he played through the illness the other night and played twenty seven minutes, and then they gave him the day off from practice yesterday, and here he is. He wasn't in the starting lineup, so it was uh, Hiroshi and Myers were out there for the opening faceoff, and then Quinn Hughes gets out with Kyle Burrows, and they kind of got pinned in their own zone and they had some trouble and Quinn Hughes' first shift after missing practice and dealing with strep throat was two minutes and 12 seconds and I just thought really like what are we doing here he's going to be to 30 minutes before we know it uh as it turned out uh this was a you know low ice time night for Quinn Hughes 23 minutes and and 47 seconds so you know but again some of that's Hiroshi on the left side eating 20 minutes like they've got a guy that's now a he's a minute muncher three games into this NHL career, and uh, he's up over 20 minutes, so that kind of spelled off Quinn Hughes, and then, of course, uh, spent four minutes in the penalty box, too, in that third period, so can't log ice time when you're in there. Um, The other thing with Quinn Hughes, and again, we make note because it happens so seldom, but no points, so that's three games for him. Now, maybe the illness explains some of that, that he's not at the top of his game, the team hadn't been at the top of its game, the power play hadn't been great, and even the first unit tonight... It uh, wasn't great again. The Kravtsov goal comes on the power play, but that's the uh, second unit. So, uh, yeah, power play one has kind of gone dry here uh, for the last bunch of games. And, you know, Elias Pettersson got his assist on the Kuzmenko goal. So uh, he's up to 98 on the season now. Uh, so four games to go. He needs two to get to 100. Again, it would have been so cool if he could have got one more tonight just to, you know, set the stage for Saturday. Because, again, I want to see him do it at home. And, he can get two points. That's, uh, that's certainly not out of the equation. But it's going to be it's going to be tough on Saturday. It's going that's going to be a game for them, right. right? And so yeah, we'll see what happens. But anyways, he's got four games to get the two that he needs. So pretty good chance that he'll hit the hundred point mark. But uh, against the Hawks, he just kind of felt like maybe this is the opportunity for the Canucks to dial it up. But uh, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, what is it? Eight different guys on the score sheet. Uh, Hiroshi had two points, and then a uh, bunch of other guys with uh, singles. So. Yeah, not a banner night for Elias Pettersson. Uh, he and Kuzmenko had a couple opportunities. Early in the third, when Kuzmenko went between the legs and tried to work his way to the front of the net, it uh, would have been a spectacular goal yeah. uh, had he got it. But uh, he already had his one, so you were happy about that. We'll yes. uh, get to that a little bit later on. But, you know, when I look at EP40 on his night, uh, 20 minutes and 52 seconds of ice time. So, uh, again, up over the 20-minute mark. But not a single shot on goal. And, and we've seen this of late, the, the team shot totals. And they got to 29 tonight. But... You know, the past three games, the high watermark for shots on goal was 25. So uh, I want to see Elias Pettersson fire in the puck. I want to see him get to 40 goals. I want to see him get to 100 points. And, you know, that's another thing to watch now, I guess, with four games remaining. Kuzmenko has surged in front by a goal in the uh, Canucks team goal scoring derby. So uh, who's going to finish with more goals? Can uh, Petey catch him, pass him, 
or is uh, Kuzmenko going to be the goal-scoring leader in his first season in the National Hockey League? Uh, that'll be settled over the next four games. And for JT Miller, uh, you know, empty netter. They all count. It's his 30th of the season. It was a nice bank job. Uh, and his first goal uh, since the San Jose home game a while back, he'd gone six without scoring. So, uh, you know, hey, nice round numbers. They're all milestone goals. Uh, you know, 30. Another, he can call himself uh, you know, another 30-goal season for, for JT Miller. Um but yeah, I didn't think the top two lines had it. You know, against a, an opponent like the Blackhawks, I would have liked to have seen the the top six a little more assertive uh, than they were in this hockey game. Yeah, back to back seasons now for JT Miller with uh, thirty uh, or more goals, thirty two being his career high, which he set last year in that ninety nine point season. Four guys now with the Canucks, so if you count a Bo Horvat, thirty goal scorers this year. So that's something that they can look back on and. And be proud of, but of course, uh, not really the season that the Canucks no. uh, essentially wanted. Uh, I mean, so now they they look at Calgary on the on the schedule next, and this is really shaping up JPAD to be one. And we were hoping that that game between uh, Winnipeg and Calgary was going to give us an opportunity to have this game be something, and it's definitely going to be something. So a good one on tap ahead on Saturday night with the Flames coming into town. Yeah, home finale Saturday night, end of the home stand. Um. Uh, I hope that the building is full. I hope that there is some energy because there really wasn't a whole lot, and that wasn't a surprise. The Hawks are not a draw uh, at this stage of uh, the season and at uh, you know where they are in their competitive arc. Uh, but the final Saturday, that's it. Like you're not going to see the Canucks again until uh, the fall. So I hope that uh, people respond. It's fan appreciation night. Uh, I heard around the rink today that, and this is the way it should be, that fans are going to get. John and John on Hockey Night in Canada on Saturday night. Well, Cheech is doing after hours. They said right. that on the broadcast. Yeah. Yeah. But usually the late game is, uh, you know, yep. the Hockey Night, cr- yep. the, the, the late crew. But uh, I think uh, some strings may have been pulled to make this happen. It's the way it should be. Uh, the last Hockey Night in Canada game of the season for the Vancouver Canucks and uh, the, John, the John and John show. So, uh, yeah, that's good for the viewers. Uh, and yeah, I mean, it's a wild Saturday. There's no games in the National Hockey League on Friday. I know it's good Friday, but pro sports generally doesn't stop yeah, for holidays and religious holidays. And the NBA goes wild on Christmas Day. Uh, I'm just surprised that this late in the season, the final Friday of the regular season, uh, all these playoff races, and it just screeches to a halt. And I, I just don't get it. Like, you know, nobody's asking to have a 15-game slate, but I would have thought that you could have found a way to get a couple of games just to keep the momentum on highlights on the national TV shows in both Canada and the U.S. and all that kind of stuff. It, it seems a little odd to me that crazy busy night here on Thursday and then another one on Saturday, but a completely dark Friday with less than a week to go in the regular season. So a bit of odd scheduling there. But uh, yeah, it sets the stage for Saturday night and the 4 o'clock Pacific time matchup, one of the 4 o'clock Pacific, is Winnipeg at home to Nashville. Nashville. So you yeah. know the Calgary Flames are going to be watching that closely. I give the Predators like all the credit yes. in the world. UC Soros gets a shutout. That, that guy probably deserves the bulk of the credit. When you think they're doing this without Roman Yossi and Philip Forsberg and Ryan Johansson and Matt Duchesne all injured and at the deadline traded away Matthias Ekholm and uh, Granlin and Niederreiter, uh, Tanner Janot, like They got a bunch of nobodies in their lineup. And they're still finding ways to grind out victories and stay in the hunt. They're probably going to come up short, but their game of the season on Saturday in Winnipeg, and that's before the Canucks and the Flames face off. So Calgary will be doing some scoreboard watching, 
and they're going to need a little help. Although, you know, I guess they just hope that that game, they probably hope that Nashville wins and keeps Winnipeg where they are, and then that would allow the Flames to to surge forward. But uh, this is a Canucks post-game pod, so we won't worry too much about the ramifications other than, yeah, you should see a highly, highly motivated Calgary team coming off the big win in Winnipeg, and they haven't played since and won't until Saturday here against the Vancouver Canucks. Applewood Auto Group is celebrating 25 years of business, making the car business and our communities better. Applewood offers the best in-class experience whether you're looking for a car, service, or to join our team. Come find out why it's all good at Applewood. Visit us online at applewood.ca today. The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place, kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one, playoff football, BC Place, the Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them, the Dome will be rocking, should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com and check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. Rinkwide Vancouver is presented by Bodog Poker Tips, sports odds, and free casino games. It's time to play, it's time to head into the dressing room. Let's hear from the head coach, a few of the players. Rick Tockett on how he felt about his team's performance tonight. I mean, I, I thought Denver played really well. I mean, um, you know, Chicago, they played hard. I thought we were just okay. I mean, yeah, it's nice to win and uh, break the – we lost, what, three or four in a row, so it's nice to win. But, you know, I still think that we got some cleanup to do. <laughs> like the answer right off the bat. Demko played good. You knew where that was going as soon as he dropped the goaltender right off the bat. But he's not wrong, right? No. Like, you play that game against most other teams in the NHL, you're pulling the puck out of the back of your net a lot more than uh, – well, I guess they didn't tonight. <clears throat> no, and, and that's what we said. I mean, the Blackhawks, uh, they struggled to put bucks in the net, and they did here tonight. And so, uh, you know, somehow they got four the other night in Calgary. That's on the Flames. That's, yeah. uh, but, uh, you know, they had lost eight straight before that. So they have one win in their last 10 hockey games. But I, I, I would agree with Rick Tockett. Like, they played hard. They had 14 shots in the third period. Like, and that's where we said Thatcher Demko was uh, forced to, to be up to the challenge, and he was. So good on him. But, uh, yeah, a, a better opponent probably makes yeah. the Canucks pay. Yeah. Uh, Demko was asked about the, the streak. Here, you'll hear from PJ, our buddy Patrick Johnson here as well. And I referenced it earlier in the pod. He doesn't really want to elaborate too much on this. Did you realize how long it had been since we had a shutout? <laughs> <laughs> No. <laughs> <laughs> How good does it feel to be back in that that position to say he stopped all the pucks? That would you man no answer. Yeah, I mean, try to stop them all every night, so it doesn't always work out that way, but um, yeah, it feels good. <laughs> With the laugh there, I, I know that sly look that Demko gives. Yeah. Uh, and listen, he doesn't want to talk about it, I get it, but to me, I mean, listen, it's something they should celebrate, but at the same time, too, like, you don't see a lot of shutouts in the NHL nowadays. Like, I mean, look at tonight, uh, Rantanen scored his 50th goal. Like, how many 50-goal scorers we got now this year when we used to get maybe one a season if we were lucky? Like, goal scoring's up, so shutouts are clearly down. And for him to get one tonight, it, hey, who cares how long it's been? Celebrate it. Yeah, there are three guys in the league that have five on the season, Darcy Kemper, Ilya Sorokin, and Alexander Georgiev. So uh, five is your – and we talked like 
last year Markstrom had nine on his own in Calgary. Um, and so, you know, it, it is worth celebrating, but we know Thatcher Demko is a pretty low-key guy and, and you know, doesn't want to talk about himself, I suppose, but credit to him. Uh, you know, I think that's another layer to this shutout is that he does it with a guy making his NHL debut and one other guy that has three whole games or two games starting the night and now has three in, in Hiroshi in front of him. So, you know, it's not like he's playing with the Canucks' best defense in front of him. I'm not sure what the Canucks' best defense looks like. or That would be a project to go back through the various combinations they've used all season and try and figure out which exactly yeah. was the best Six, because they've used 16 defensemen now, which is just incredible. I think Daniel Wagner pointed out uh, in a story that he wrote that uh, no other team in the league has used more than 13. So that's the next high, you know, highest level uh, in terms of defensemen total is 13. And here are the Canucks as an outlier with 16 different defensemen used. Uh, so, you know, whether it's communication, whether it is just picking up tendencies, reading off defenders, whatever, uh, it's not like Thatcher Demko's had a whole lot of experience uh, with some of these young guys. And through it all, you know, they were able to do their part. And ultimately, as the last line of defense, he did his. Well, Rick Tockett knows how important his goaltender is. But he was asked post game, like, did you actually know how important Thatcher Demko was uh, to this lineup? It just He's just, a, you know, just solid. You know, he... Like, even some of the saves he made, I think they were grade A saves, but their routine, like, he was, he just looked big in the net tonight. It looked like nothing was going to get by him. You know, even when they had that couple of backdoor chances and he was there uh, post to post. Um, but he was just, I think, you know, give him a couple of days, too, to, to rest to really help them, too. And this is really where next year you sort of start thinking like, okay, if this guy is healthy and they, you know, do rate, make the right moves here to be able to build this team, make it a better team, you know, guys have another year under their belt, whether it's these new guys that are coming in, whatever, like, where will it go? Because it could go pretty positively if Thatcher Demko is Thatcher Demko. Now, I'm not stating anything because every season is different, but if you're starting with a fresh and ready Thatcher Demko, like you're ahead of the game. Uh, with a goaltender like that. Right. And at the start of this year, we were all led to believe that he was healthy and r- recovered from, you know, whatever the procedure, sort of the secrecy around whatever happened last offseason. He said all the right things, but clearly once the game started, he wasn't anywhere close to the top of his game. And he has to own that. Like, it, it wasn't just the defense in front of him and the lack of back check and all that. Like, ultimately, you need... And the Canucks were banking on the guy that they had seen the year before uh, and in the bubble, and he just wasn't there early on. But this has been one of the most positive developments in an otherwise lost season is that, you know, they never wanted to be without him for 35 games. But when he came back, he looked a lot like the team MVP from a year ago. And, you know, it's kind of funny. I was just looking back, like, obviously the team had lost four in a row coming in uh, to this hockey game. He hadn't won a game since that 3-1 victory in Dallas on a Saturday a couple of weeks back. Uh, then Delia played the next night in Chicago, and they won that one. And then they lost in St. Louis, came home and lost to Calgary, lost to L.A. and Seattle here. So, uh, you know, it had been a little while since he had posted a victory. And that Dallas game was maybe as good as the team has played all season long defensively. And, you know, he didn't have to be spectacular that night because the Canucks limited the stars and, and, and sort of took away many of their scoring chances. In this one, again, we said Chicago had shots and they did have some opportunities. They just don't have finishers. And so, uh, again, Thatcher Demko up to the challenge. And I do wonder, 
you know, we've kind of speculated here on Rinkwide here for the last couple of shows, you know, what is Rick talking going to do with his goaltending? And he said that he wants to get Dealey in uh, probably half of the remaining four games. You know, if they were going to alternate, then Delia played the last game. Here's Demko tonight. I still think that Saturday, the home finale, the what it means to Calgary, that was always going to be a Demko game. Now that he's coming off a shutout, I mean, hockey, conventional hockey wisdom yes. is you come back with the guy that got the shutout, right? So I would think that Thatcher Demko, uh, one last time on home ice, and then probably Delia gets two of the three out on the road. Yeah. Well, I think we always assumed that he was going to get this Calgary game, at least with the, you know, being the last game on home ice. But I think we also batted around the fact that we thought maybe Delia would get uh, this game and then the Arizona, or excuse me, the Anaheim game on the back to back after LA. But uh, maybe, maybe they go LA with, with Delia now and give Demko, you know, Calgary, Anaheim, and then maybe Delia finishes off the season with Arizona. Cause the coach did say he wanted to try to get two to three uh, for Delia. And I could see that. I mean, why not? We'd give Thatcher Saturday and maybe Tuesday of next week, but. Uh, listen, I want to see Thatcher Demko in goal on Saturday night. We have not seen very many games of importance this season for the Vancouver Canucks. This is going to be one. So I want to make sure that they have uh, their ace between the pipes. Uh, Team USA is not going to have their ace between the pipes, no. by the way, uh, for the World Hockey Championships. Thatcher Demko was asked about whether or not he was going to play this spring. Yeah, I, I've talked to them. Um, my wife, uh, she'll actually be around seven months pregnant um, at that time. So... Um, talk to her about it, talk to our families, and just wanted to be around in case, you know, something goes sideways. And obviously she'll be, uh, you know, pretty uh, pretty in the thick of things there at that point. So I want to be around for her and helping her out. So um, I don't think it's going to be in the cards this year. Yeah, and we're getting to that point right now where yeah. a few guys got to start to make that decision too, whether they're going to play in, in the World Hockey Championships. But Thatcher Demko, not, and I mean, you can see why, right, at that point. And I mean, I know a lot of players love going to that tournament. I know I would love to go to that tournament, but uh, you can see why someone like Demko wouldn't want to play uh, in that one. Um, I, I thought because he missed so much action that maybe this would, year yeah. would have been a year where he would have entertained uh, the idea. It's a big commitment. It's a big ask. This year's tournament's in Finland and Latvia. Like, that's a long way to go. Uh, and, you know, he broke a little news there about uh, the family front as well. So, you know, just listening to him talk, I mean, it sounded like he considered it at the very least, but totally understand the reasoning there with his wife into the home stretch of their uh, first child. So uh, no World Hockey Championship for Thatcher Demko, and I guess uh, we'll have to start canvassing the rest of that locker room. There's so many Americans in there uh, that are potential, whether it's uh, Quinn Hughes or JT Miller, Brock Besser, Connor Garland, um, and it's not just Team USA, obviously, but uh, there's a heavy American flavor uh, in that Vancouver Canuck locker room. So uh, maybe in the days ahead here before they leave town, uh, we'll see if we can find out if anybody else has been asked to represent their country, Elias Pettersson. You would yeah. think would be on the radar yeah. for Team Sweden for sure. All right, Cole McCord making his NHL debut. The head coach was asked about him, but uh, the head coach decided to give some props to Akito Hirose as well. Yeah, there's like I, I keep, I know it's a broken record. There's something there. Like he's a big kid. He's going to even get thicker. Funny we were talking about that right-handed shot. Um, he's got some. Good, he's got some good skill. Um, there's something there. You know. Um, there's the and, and keto too. Like I liked his game tonight, tonight too. Like a smart kid. Six foot one, 192 is what he's listed on hockey DB. That would be Cole Ward. But um 
Yeah. Like again, right shot guy. It's funny when we talked about the need for right shot guys. And then you look at the lineup tonight and how many right shot guys they had on defense. But again, like, listen, there's, I think we're going to need to see more from the kid. And sure. I'm sure the plan of course is, is to probably have him in the AHL next year. He's a little bit younger than Akita Hiroshi as well. He's just finished his sophomore year at Ohio State. So just 21 years old will be 22 in June. So a lot of time really for Cole McWard to sort of find his pro feet. Yeah, and I think a couple of things. One is, as you said, a right shot. I mean, they've been chasing right shot defensemen. It's hard to find. And, you know, they were able to convince this guy. Um, And the other thing is, this isn't supposed to be – defenseman heavy draft certainly at the top and i wonder if that sort of played into the fact that you know they were in on a bunch of guys they were in on that jake livingston who made his uh debut in nashville here um but you know the organization would have a better idea of kind of what their plan is when it comes to the draft but you know if you're looking for elite level talent usually found at the top of the draft so they've got uh you know they're gonna have a a top 10 draft pick unless uh, well no they're gonna have a top 10 draft pick it's a question of where the lottery balls uh, ultimately uh, fall and if they fall in their favor, maybe it, uh, you know, maybe Lady Luck smiles on them this year. Who knows? But whatever the case, this is a draft that is at the top forwards, and so I think this, in some ways, maybe a little protection that uh, you know. And we don't know what they plan uh, with European free agents as well. But uh, yeah, I mean, we said this is like these are all good news stories for the Vancouver Canucks that whatever they're pitching to these players about a vision, about opportunity. Uh, players are believing what the Canucks are selling, and that's why they've been able to land uh, a number of free agents. Well, of course, it's a night that Cole McWard will never forget. He got to do the rookie lap. His parents were in the building. They got a little bit of TV time tonight as well. Here's the kid on his first NHL experience. Yeah, it was good. Um, You know, shook the nerves off, and then everyone was helping me out a lot and talking to me and uh, being in the right spot for me, so it was great. You know, couldn't be more excited. It was a lot of fun. And it's funny, too, because Demko was asked, uh, you know, to to get this shutout with a couple of, you know, young guys in front of him and, you know, was asked, you know, whether he had to, you know, be more vocal out there with these guys. And he sort of blew it off. It was like, no, you know, they're in their lineup, so I trust them. And I yep. thought that was kind of cool of Demko as well, right? To just be like, no, I mean, listen, they got to find it at some point. So why not now tonight? And 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 I thought both Hiroshi in the short time that we've seen him here and McWard's game tonight, like these are definitely some positives here, but you're right. Like, Take it with a grain of salt here. We've seen this sort of thing before uh, when it comes to NCAA free agents, even blue liners. As of recent, uh, one that pops in my head is Brogan Rafferty. Remember, everybody loved that kid. Where's he now? AHL? Yeah, and he's turned out to be a really good AHL player. AHL, like, yes. You know, and there's value to organizations and having guys that uh, can play and produce in the American Hockey League. But you're right. Uh, we've seen this uh, before here in Vancouver, and not every guy turns out to be Chris Tanev and have the kind of career that, that Chris Tanev has. The thing with Hiroshi that uh, I just think is worth noting is he's played three games, and we talked about the fact that his ice ice time has increased uh, in each of the games, and he was up to 20-30. You look at a guy like Jack Rathbone. Jack Rathbone's season high was 17 minutes and 55 seconds, and that was his first game of the year way back uh, in October, and obviously, circumstances dictated that he had to be sent back to Abbotsford. He was up on an emergency recall. So this wasn't really a choice of, oh, they picked Hiroshi and sent Rathbone back. They had to. They had six healthy defensemen, Rathbone up on an emergency recall. Them are the rules. But just if we're looking at the way that they used Rathbone, 
Uh, and these two guys sort of profile the same way that, uh, you know, neither one of them's big by NHL standards, but, you know, both think the game pretty well, have a little bit of offense uh, to their game. And here's Akito Hiroshi in his third game, picking up a couple of assists and, and getting all these opportunities. And when Jack Rathbone was in the lineup, it kind of felt like he had to scratch and claw for anything that resembled an opportunity. So you wonder organizationally, after three games with what he has shown, has Akito Hiroshi passed a guy like Jack Rathbone on the organizational depth chart. I believe that's an Ask J-Pat that uh, we had tonight, mm. so uh, there you go. It, <laughs> it's, it's definitely something that uh, more than you are wondering right now yeah. as well, but also too, like, when you look at, like, remember Travis Dermott, right? Like, They've got guys, so it's it'd be interesting to see exactly where this all goes. And I believe the Ask J-Pat was asking, you know, whether or not, you know, they should get move off of Jack Rathbone while he's got any value. But I'm sitting there going, like, does he have value? Right? Like, is there somebody out there that, you know, wants wants a Jack Rathbone right now? I, I would argue there, there probably isn't. So it's good to have the depth, for sure, and it's good to have competition. But you're, if you're Jack Rathbone, you're definitely feeling the heat because there's guys uh, that are waiting in the wings to 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 be able to fill that spot that uh, I think a lot of people penciled in uh, to be his down the road. Uh, Hiroshi with two points tonight. He was asked about that, but he was more excited about getting his first W. Yeah, it feels good. Yeah, I mean, nothing like getting two points, especially at home. So I'd probably say I'm more excited for getting the two points and the, and the W over getting my own two points. So just happy that we got to win. I, again, I talked about his poise on the ice, but he's cool, collected guy off the ice as well. And he even had some jokes uh, post game <laughs> uh, as well. But again, like, yeah, it just seems like a guy that's carrying himself. But I think we also have to realize like, this is a guy that is of age of most of the young guys that are in the league right now. So it is definitely go time for Akito Hiroshi. Yeah, you talked about having jokes. Uh, it is funny. I think he's getting a kick out of the fact that uh, he's a little bit of the flavor of the of the week here, and that uh, he's been requested. I think after every game that uh, he has played now, you know, after his debut, people wanted to talk to him. The second one wanted to see how that one went, and now with a couple of assists and a victory, uh, there he was. His number was on the board to. Uh, uh, meet the media when uh, the locker room was open, and so uh, you know I think he's enjoying the notoriety, um, and and we're getting a chance now to see a little bit of his personality come out. I mean, obviously it's about what he does on the ice; it's not so much about uh, how he handles questions and can he do it with jokes and a sense of humor. Uh, but he is answering all the questions about his performance out on the ice, and then when the questions come his way afterwards, uh, you know he, he seems certainly. Uh, capable of handling, you know, people talk about the demand in a market like this one and stuff. Uh, he's eating it up. I think he's uh, he's playing in the NHL, looks to be having the time of his life. The head coach, uh, he talked about it a little bit in that McWard clip, but then he expanded more on Hiroshi a little bit further on. Yeah, I just think his hockey IQ, when you, you know, I'm a big, you know, it's like uh, I'd rather sometimes have an average skill guy with high hockey IQ than the, the, the opposite. I'm being serious. Like this guy's got, I'm not saying he's an average skill. He's got good skill. I'm just saying he's got a really good hockey IQ. So a smaller guy like that can survive. I felt a little strange. I think a couple pods ago when I suggested maybe a Quinn Hughes light, thought maybe I might be getting a little bit ahead of myself, <laughs> but yeah. I, I do sort of see these sort of things. Like there's, there is very few Quinn Hughes in this league if there's uh, more than one, but uh, he has those sort of traits, right? And that's what I, what I see there now, whether he'll be a Quinn Hughes, I do not think that's going to happen. If he did, it would be amazing for the Canucks. But uh, I think what we've seen right now, like he's definitely ahead of the game. And yeah, that I think that's 
to 20 minutes just tells you a whole lot about really where Rick Tockett is already with this player. Yeah, and you know, I think Rick Tockett defers a lot to Adam Foote, who runs the defense. And so I don't know, um, you know, whether the head coach gives his assistants instructions or if he just leaves it to a guy like Adam Foote to kind of go with his gut and, and read off the, the way the game's going and his feel for the game. Uh, whatever the case, they were giving Hiroshi every opportunity here. And, and uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think I understand what you're trying to say with Quinn Hughes. I mean, this is there's yeah. no way that he's going to be Quinn Hughes. He doesn't skate as well as Quinn Hughes, doesn't have uh, the elusiveness and the escapability of Quinn Hughes. But, you know, one of Quinn Hughes's real traits is just sort of the, the calm and, uh, you know, it doesn't ever feel like he's under duress. And I, I get that sort of feel as well from Akito Hiroshi. And, you know, I've said it before. The thing that impresses me is he seems to know what he wants to do with the puck even before the puck comes his way. Like if if the puck comes D to D, you know, he knows where his play is going to be when the puck arrives on his stick. And I think that's how you have success. I mean, spend less time in your own zone, get it quickly to guys who are moving in the right direction and, and start to move to the attack. And so uh, we've seen some of that uh, all three nights for Akito Hiroshi, and I would imagine that we'll see more. And as I said, you know, they don't have any healthy options, so it's not like the coaches have decisions to make about who's going to be in the lineup. He's going to play again, and, and Saturday will be a great test against a, a hungry Calgary hockey club. The BC Lions are back in the playoffs and hosting the Calgary Stampeders on Saturday, November 4th at BC Place, kickoff at 3.30 p.m. Looking forward to this one, playoff football, BC Place, the Lions and that offense with Vernon Adams at the controls and all of those weapons he has in his receiving core. And you just think about the atmosphere in that building with the fans behind them, the Dome will be rocking, should be a ton of fun. Tickets on sale now at bclions.com and check this out. They start at just 30 bucks. And kids 17 and under can get in for 15. So bring the noise, fill the dome. All right, time now for my best bet, Bodog best bet, that is. And I hit it tonight. Andre Kuzmenko, anytime goal scorer I had tonight at plus 150. So some decent value there for Andre Kuzmenko to scratch the score. She did been a couple of games since he had tallied. Mm-hmm. And I figured he was due. That was my 33rd win of the season. And that, of course is Kuzmenko's 38th goal. 38 goals. That's yep. unbelievable. He's got to get to 40. We got to get Kuz to 40. But anyway, uh, I hit on him. He, that guy makes me money. I got to look back at my bets. I feel like <laughs> I've gone to that well a few times with Andre Kuzmenko. I know I did against uh, St. Louis, and he was able to come through there. Uh, but hopefully you did it as well and make yourself uh, some money. A Game in a Hashtag is presented by Delaney's OK Tire out on Fraser Highway in Langley. There's a lot of Hiroshi here, okay? So bear with me. Uh, starting with Johnny Canuck says, hashtag Hiroshi is for real. Uh, Paul says, hashtag Aikido smelling like Hiroshi. <laughs> okay. Uh, Tim says, I like this one. Tim says, hashtag Aki to the win. Uh-huh. And then follows it up with hashtag Demcode, which we've seen a few times. You might not get this one, but you were probably by. Was Drancer in the press box tonight? No. He wasn't. All right. No. Well, in the broadcast, uh, they, they took a little bit of a shot at Drancer, uh, putting up all the draft picks that yeah, the saw it, yeah. uh, Chicago Blackhawks had, called it uh, Dr- Dr- Drancer Erotica. So we have Glenn here saying Erotica to w- win, and Andy saying hashtag Thomas Drance Erotica. There you go, Drancer. Uh, Todd says hashtag ba- bottom, uh, Battle of the Bottom Dwellers, that is. And Nuck and Futt says, hashtag shout out for Bedard. Shout out for Bedard? 
I don't think we're getting Medard here. And Strong Belly says hashtag depth and follows it up with hashtag mighty Quinn. Very much so. All right. Uh, ask J Pats here. And again, everything is about Hiroshi. Like the whole thing. Everybody wants to know, you know, has Hiroshi passed Rathbone on the list? Where do you see Hiroshi going here? So listen, we've, we've pretty much went over all of it, guys. Like we're impressed as well. Where do we see it going? Well, we'll see. But right now, uh, he's looking like he's got a step ahead of, uh, I would say J- young Rath, Jock Rathbone, but they're the same age. You know, it's kind of funny though that it wasn't that long ago that Christian Wolanin got called up from the farm and everybody was like, yeah, this guy's incredible. They got to pencil him in on the starting, you know, depth chart for next season at the NHL level. Um, and, and then he got hurt and we haven't seen him. And I think he played 16 games for the Canucks. And look, Wolanin has been incredible down in Abbotsford, uh, has been good in the, in the National Hockey League when called upon. But it's one thing to do it in a short burst. It's another to do it. You know, over the long haul, uh, season after season. But I do wonder, like, you know, I mean, clearly the Canucks liked Hiroshi. They were after him. They were aggressive. They got him to sign. So they saw something there. But, yeah, I mean, it would be fascinating to be inside some sort of management meeting. Like, has he done enough already for him to get consideration to be among their defense? Like, you know, that's what this team needs is, you know, a, a young, cost-effective guy. Now, this isn't an entry-level contract for him. Uh, in fact, he signed a one-year contract, so he already needs a new contract this offseason, but he's not going to have any leverage. Um, but, you know, that's how this team will get ahead is finding a guy on a, you know, a value contract that steps in and provides them with, you know, things that they haven't had here. I mean, they had too many guys on bloated contracts, obviously, for for too long. So I, I just, you know, three games, that's all it's been. But they've been three pretty impressive games from this guy, and I do wonder if it changes the the idea of like, did management think that he would be down in Abbotsford next year and you know have to learn the ropes of being a pro and all that kind of stuff? Has he done enough here already? Uh, I don't know. We're going to find out. We'll hear from Patrick Alvine and perhaps Jim Rutherford. Um, the Canucks finish in Arizona next Thursday, and then I believe it's going to be early the following week. They're going to make management available and uh, you know the locker clean out and all that kind of stuff. So I'm sure those types of questions will be put to. Patrick Alvine, uh, but I wonder if Akito Hiroshi's already done enough to sort of start to change the conversation about where he may slot in next season. Yeah, Hiroshi's a 10 to C guy. So if you're up on your uh, <laughs> NHL Not open to cap. an offer sheet, not that <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't think that yeah. that was a danger, but yeah, guys that come out of college late. Um, so, yes. Jack Rathbone still has another year left on that contract, if you remember as well, right? And it's a he's got himself some one way money. So, but it'd be interesting if next year the Canucks start on the left side with Quinn Hughes and uh, Akita Hiroshi and you know Oliver Ekman Larson, perhaps. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, or if they are, if they do move off all over Ekman Ekman Larson, like who is that other guy? Could it be Will Lannon? Could it be uh, Rathbone? Could it be Dermot as well, right? So they do have... Well, uh, and they've been linked to Gavrikov because, of course, he's a Dan Milstein client. Oh, and, of course, yes, so, exactly. Uh, yeah, I, look, it, all the, some of these late-season additions, they're all nice, but this team just needs more. It needs to continue to get better that, you know, even adding some of these guys into the mix late in the season, this team's not going to the playoffs. Like, they need to get a whole lot better. So, uh, you know... Akito Hiroshi is he certainly hasn't looked out of place. He can play, but 
just inserting him for a full season, that doesn't make their defense, you know, anywhere close to as good as it needs to be. They just have to continue to upgrade here. Well, he's playing Saturday night, right? Like, he has to play Saturday. Well, they only have six healthy defensemen, yeah. Oh, I mean, there you go. Could, <laughs> that doesn't Cole matter McCord. at this point anyway. No, that's what I said. That's why Rathbone <laughs> had to go down because yeah. he was on an emergency that's recall. Right. It wasn't like they made a decision to keep Hirose. Um So, yeah, I mean, I, I think unless, you know, a guy like Will Lannon, who's been skating apparently on his own, they haven't ruled him out for the rest of the season, but apparently Brisebois, uh, he's likely done. And so I think uh, what you see is what you get probably with four games to go uh, and three of them out of the road. I can't imagine that, uh, you know, they're not going to take extra bodies. Like I would think for that final road trip that, uh, you know, they'll take the guys that they've got and hope that they get through unscathed. Well, that's what I mean. So a game like Saturday, that would be a nice little test for uh, Hiroshi and good for us to watch as well to see exactly, you know, how he stands out in that game. Because that's going to be a game that's going to be of importance for for Calgary. And of course, Vancouver is going to want to put their uh, best foot forward as well. So Akita Hiroshi, I think, is going to be your did something candidate tonight. But of course, you might have something else up your sleeve. So who tonight do you think did something, as always, presented by Jason Hominick at Jason.Mortgage? 72 games. Between shutouts, and you think I'm going Akito Hiroshi? Oh, all right. all right. Were you watching? I was. I'm just saying, yeah. like 33 saves. Yeah, I suppose. Yes, I, I'll give it to you. I'll give them. You could have went Hiroshi, and I wouldn't have been overly surprised. I mean, let's keep in mind it is the Chicago Blackhawks. All right, but we haven't had an opportunity all season to say that a Canuck goaltender did this. So uh, I thought this one was one of my easier decisions. Uh, yeah, Thatcher Demko. Comes up with the shutout, 14 saves in the third period, 33 on the night. And oh, by the way, his 12th victory of the season, which jets him to the top of the Vancouver Canucks wins list uh, for the year, which is just incredible that uh, he's moved past Spencer Martin now uh, with 12. So he's got a dozen victories, and this one will stand out because uh, the Blackhawks did not score. Third shutout of Thatcher Demko's career. Absolutely, he did something. He stopped them all. And there is uh, your hashtag to get in on the $25 gift card to BC's Best Breakfast. The Dutch stopped them all, like the past tense as well. So not stop them all, but stopped them all is your hashtag. And you're going to want to send that one in. As always, did something, a presentation of Jason Hominick at Jason.Mortgage. Time winding down on the season. Don't let time wind down on your mortgage renewal. Jason always wants to make sure that you've got a plan. So know well in advance. He recommends three or four months uh, from your renewal date to start investigating the best options for you. And he's there to help. If you want to know the best products that are out there on the market, uh, fixed or variable, uh, mortgage rates are always moving. Uh, so tap into his experience. That's what he's there for. Again, he has saved rink-wide listeners money, and he wants to save you as well. So reach out to Jason Hominick at jason.mortgage. Well, I mean, Dr. Demko downplayed it so much, you know, and I'm going to have to tell him that he was uh, the did-something guy. So maybe ah, that would have got little... him talking. Exactly. If we had said that, then he would have got a little more chatty about it and maybe expanded a little bit more. All right, send that to hashtag stop them all into the Go Goat Sports inbox at 778-402-9680. And that'll get you into a draw to win $25 to BC's best breakfast. That's right. Check them out at the Dutch.com. Busy week still ahead for for us here on Rinkwide. We'll be back again tomorrow. And then Saturday we'll have a pregame, we'll have a postgame and every game. And again, I'm just I'm excited about Saturday's game because finally something to really sink our teeth in uh, when it comes to the Canucks. A game of importance for the Canucks this year. A rarity for this year. But tonight 
They shut out the Blackhawks 3-0. Another rarity, a shutout for the Canucks. 133 games between shutouts now snapped for the Vancouver Canucks. This has been another edition of the Rinkwide Vancouver podcast presented by Bodog. For Jeff Patterson, I'm Andrew Wadden. Remember, Rink Wide is the show that always works.